Welcome to the Wild Spaces Podcast, where we enhance your connection to nature by sharing inspiring stories of biophilic design and rewilding. As we move into a new year, many of us are thinking about where our industries are headed. We know that by understanding how our industries are evolving, we can stay ahead of the curve. So with that in mind, we're excited to have today's guest share her valuable insight about where sustainability and green real estate are headed in 2022 and beyond. Melissa Gutierrez-Sullivan is the Vice President of Cushman Wakefield's Global Occupier Services Sustainability and Wellness Practice, leading the Southern California region while also working on projects nationally. She works with clients on their sustainability and wellness strategic planning, reporting, and management of their green certification projects from Silicon Valley to New York. Melissa and her team work with some of the premier companies and tenants in the nation, companies like Google, Adobe, Salesforce. So we're super excited to have her bring first-hand knowledge about what these best-in-class tenants are looking for, where sustainability is headed, and how the discussion has moved from what does sustainability cost to what does it cost my company to not operate sustainably. Melissa was an early supporter of Wild Spaces and we're thrilled to have her on the show. So hope you enjoy our interview with Melissa Gutierrez-Sullivan. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thank you very much. So you and your team have the finger on the pulse of sustainability and wellness, particularly in commercial real estate and what kind of best-in-class occupiers are looking for. So I thought we'd start by just talking about some of the new trends and movements that you're hearing about. Absolutely. No, it's uh, my job or career right now is it's just on fire. I mean, I think everybody is talking about ESG in general. Um, and what we are seeing, you know, a couple of years ago, Larry Fink, who is the BlackRock, is the CEO at BlackRock, which is the largest um, investment management firm in the world. He announced that BlackRock was going to start to take into consideration ESG measures um, when investing in a company. And so when BlackRock speaks, (laughs) the world listens. And shortly thereafter, Business Roundtable, this is right before COVID hit, so February of 2020, um, the Business Roundtable, which is an organization that consists of the CEOs from the largest companies around the world, made an announcement that companies no longer have a responsibility solely to shareholders, that they also have a responsibility to their employees, to the communities where they're engaged and to the planet. And so, you know, after that, just everything changed. Um, Since then, obviously we had COVID. So for a while, the E part of ESG, the environmental part sort of fell off radars for just a few months um, and wellness really came in strong. Um, It was, I was talking on multiple calls every day with clients around the globe about um, you know their, their wellness initiatives, indoor air quality, indoor environmental quality, all of it. And, um, and then around the fall end of probably about Q4 of 2020, started to see a shift back to an environmental focus. And so essentially a lot of what I'm working on right now and what my clients are talking about is, the, um, is really being driven by investors. I would say that that is the foremost, but in addition to that, especially around the wellness side, um, my clients are really, they really truly care about the wellness of their employees and they see the value in improving culture and improving happiness. Um, 
So I would say those are really two of the driving factors is investors and um, employee, you know, just engaging with employees and improving culture. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the kind of the business roundtable piece. I, I remember that coming out and it's just such a, a big moment in business, right? You take this kind of cornerstone of we just have this fiduciary responsibility to our stakeholders and right, that's like the main driver behind businesses and equities and everything. And just that little bit of shift on it, as you described, um, it, it does seem like it's really had a profound impact on the way kind of C-suites and people perceive businesses and their role. Absolutely. So I love I love that you brought that up. Yeah. I mean, you talk about their, their place in the community and, and in, within the planet is a, is, you know, a pretty great conversation to be having. Exactly. Well, yeah. And such a mind shift, right. To go from, we only care about our shareholder price to, oh no, we need to care about other things, which hello makes sense. Um, and what's interesting too about that is historically, you know, from the investor side, and I do work with some of our investor clients as well, um, you know, ownership of buildings is that they need, they are now on board too. So, you know, public companies, public companies need to address it. And now I'm even seeing it trickle down, you know, this movement toward ESG and, um, and data collecting and sustainability and wellness and biophilia and all of that. Um, but now the investor, the ownership side is seeing the value as well, because if they want to attract top tenants into their spaces, um, they need to abide by it as well. And they're also being driven by their own investors. Um, so ownership, you know, they have their own investors who invest in their funds or what have you. And, and so they need to make sure that they're also meeting the investor demand. So it's this really holistic perspective and of um, ESG in general. It's really, really interesting to see uh, transform. Yeah, it sounds like you're saying that there's an interest, not just at one level, but across the entire stack, right? From clients, companies that are looking for leases, people that are wanting to come work for companies, you know, in places, to the owners of buildings, to the investors and kind of funds that that drive that investment in commercial real estate. It's almost across that entire stack, right? You're saying that there's there's been this awakening to the importance of sustainability and wellness. Exactly, exactly. That's what that's what's happening. It's very cool. <laughs> it's exciting. Dude, yeah, it is. I mean, for me as well. Uh, obviously, <laughs> it's, it's our interest and my personal interest. And I see it in a lot of my clients, just how much the discussion has changed over the last few years. Um, obviously, the last 18 months, kind of even more heavily that that things that were were kind of thought of as like nice to have, you know, but outdoor terraces on office buildings, kind of operable windows, things that were that were perks are now almost essential when you start to talk about like class A real estate and development. Definitely, definitely for the class A. But like I said, we're even starting to see it trickle down to, you know, other folks as well. And I'm getting calls from a whole wide spectrum of types of clients. Um, and so, yeah, but definitely with that class A type space, um, we're, we're absolutely seeing it. Okay. Is that where like green leases comes into this discussion? Yeah. Yeah. So green leases, it's interesting. It was like a light bulb went off. Um, so like I mentioned, you know, fall of 2020, we saw sustainability come back into play after COVID hit with, you know, at that, you know, for, for COVID during COVID in the beginning months, it was just about wellness. Um, 
And so when sustainability came back on or the planet sustainability, because I do call wellness the sustainability of the people, but um, the E part of ESG, when that came back in around, you know, September, October, then it was all about carbon and making these initiatives and setting goals to meet science-based targets and RE100, CDP reporting, all these all these initiatives were coming um, onto the forefront. And so my clients realized, well, okay, we're going to have, we're setting these goals. This is something we believe in. Oh, but how are we going to get that data to meet those goals? Because ESG and science-based targets and all the reporting initiatives that are now out there that clients are pursuing, you know, and it could be Grezb on the, on the ownership side, um, they all need data. And how do you get that data if historically it's all been, you know, hidden and private and nobody wants to share anything with anybody else? Mm-hmm. And so in January of this year, well, I'd say Q1, we saw a complete shift toward clients focusing on green leases. And that is all they were, you know, talking about. Um, and we created actually a program here within Cushman and Wakefield that allows our clients to do an analysis of their portfolio, um, looking at green leases and kind of ranking them, seeing, you know, which green which green leases with or which leases within your portfolio are already meeting some green lease initiatives and requirements. Which ones are really far behind? How do we get those pulled up? Um, So it's been interesting to see clients grasp onto that. And it's really that document that that connects the two to get the client's ownership, everybody on the same page and just have transparency. That's really what I'm seeing in this space right now is like transparency, um, collaboration between folks who probably didn't collaborate around this type of information in the past. One of the first things I tell my clients And, you know, right now, especially in this whole year with green leases and just in general is even if you have a space that isn't up for renewal for a few years, pinpoint that person now. Who is that person internally or at the site who will be communicating with landlord about your ESG initiatives? Who is that person? And then find that person at the property management level um and make sure that those two people are talking starting now because who knows they might be willing to start to allow data transfer over you know they might be open to having those conversations and then that way when you are up for renewal they're not being nobody's being blindsided everybody's on the same page and that conversation has started you know well in advance and um and everybody understands where it's going so i think that is definitely the the first piece of advice I've been giving to my clients. And I think it's been working really, really well for everybody. Well, it's great to hear that it's it's out there and becoming such a part of the discussion. I mean, it sounds like that this approach to incorporating sustainability, wellness, hopefully connecting people to nature, right, is a, it has mm-hmm. benefits on for everybody, that it's, a, it's beneficial for the companies and their workers, you know, kind of within the space, but also driving kind of value and financial benefits for the owners of the buildings and the landlords. Exactly. So um, we here at Cushman and Wakefield, a couple different things on that, and I'm seeing the value completely. Um, One, we have a survey that we send out. It's called Experience by Square Foot. And uh, we've been 
sending out this survey for a long time now, but we're seeing, you know, interest from our employees around, or not, sorry, not just our employees. This is going out to our clients too. So we have, I think like 55,000 respondents or something. I think it's even more than that now um, who respond and, and the interest in unique types of space, um, interest in, you know, getting back into the office, but how can we make our offices new and interesting to get people back, especially, you know, after COVID. Um, but I think this is also something that we're going to start to see more demand from employees in general. Just, you know, if you're going to make me go back after being, after proving I have been home for a year and a half and I've worked, you know, fine and everything's been fine to get me back, I really want a space where I feel safe and I feel comfortable and kind of bringing that home, homely feel, homey feel into the office. Um, so I do think, you know, one thing I talk with my workplace experience teams about is what does that look like? You know, what is this future of, of the workspace look like? And I feel like that's so cliche. So I can't even believe I just said that. But um, what does, I mean, that's the reality. That's what our clients are asking for. And I think the reality is, is that indoor outdoor space where, you know, and I mean, it's been scientifically proven, nature reduces our stress levels, it makes us calm. Um, I think it's like 10 minutes in a forest, you know, there's been proven level scientific um, studies that show that like we become more calm, stress levels go down, and that our creativity goes up. So when you have proof, scientific proof about nature, um, and then you're trying to get people back into a workspace where they're already stressed, you know, with COVID going on and everything, I think it just makes sense. And I don't think people are going to be willing to go back into dark, dingy office spaces that are boring and don't have nature. And um, I just don't think people are going to want that anymore. And or I don't think they're going to accept it anymore. You know, the great resignation and everything going on. I really think that we need to show how unique uh, workspaces can be going forward. Yeah. I love that. I mean, people people want to be connected to nature. They want to be connected to their place and their community. Um, and that, that transparency and how we design these physical environments, it just has such a profound impact on our work and mental health and comfort and all of those things. Um, so it's, it's cool. It sounds like that in your survey, you know, that you send out to 55,000 plus respondents on that, that those themes start to emerge in that survey of what people are looking for. Well, yeah. And I think it's also, yeah. And like the mental health aspect of it, right. And like their stress levels and um, yeah, all of that. We are actually, we have teamed up with IWBI, which is the organization that manages the well certification um, to kind of team up with them and their post-occupancy surveys that they require. Um, so our experience by square foot and the, and, and their survey and kind of teaming up to see how we can merge those two together um, for a really comprehensive, like beautiful survey that will go out to our clients, employees, and just understand, you know, the mental health aspects of them being back in the office. And, um, and so when you can bring biophilia into a space, like those numbers are going to improve. Um, people are just going to feel happier and, um, and feel more calm and more productive. So yeah. I think we're, I think that's what, you know, that inevitably is where it's all going to head. Yeah. 
and they are more calm and productive, right? And creative yeah. and all of those things, um, less stressed. So, and I imagine it, it factors into their recruitment and retention, right? It's not just getting the workers that come back that are there now, but I'm thinking of, you know, Google's like $2.1 billion purchase of St. John's Terminal in New York, right? And I find it, there's no doubt in my mind that the kind of heavy focus on biophilic design of St. John's Terminal was was a big part of them wanting to be there because they see it that's like if, you know, in a competitive landscape for talent, um, yeah, your your space matters and is part of that like recruitment tool, just like many other factors of a business are. Yes, definitely. I, in fact, yeah, I have, I'm working on a project right now. It's um, up in Silicon Valley and the developer really caters to tech, obviously up in Silicon Valley. Um, and one of the aspects or features of the building that he required was, you know, he really wanted an indoor outdoor space. So they have a beautiful lobby. It is under construction. It isn't finished yet, but the plan is, you know, a beautiful indoor outdoor lobby with a massive living wall um, and to really like help bring in nature into the actual workspace. And so and he he's doing this right because he knows what clients and, and future tenants are looking for. Um, there's also a green roof, which will be amazing that has you know, tables and chairs and greenery and landscaping, because um, that's what that's what folks want. And they're going to be and he knows that that's what the tenants will want to. So um, that's what they're looking for. And I think absolutely being driven by employee awareness of nature and sustainability in general. Like I said in the beginning, like this is really what's right. It's like investors and employees and um and I think with younger generations too, the acute awareness around all of this is even more and more important. Um, so, you know, millennials, but now like Gen Z and even younger, um, this is really important to them as well. Yeah, it does. And they, it feels and they like are the it's future. changed. Yeah, definitely are the future. And it feels <laughs> like it's changed rapidly, right? I think the last call I was on with you, Melissa, we were, you know, someone was talking about kind of, bee colonies right that come into like office yeah. spaces and urban plazas and on top of high rises and downtown la i mean it's amazing uh that you've seen so I'm, I'm curious you know that and maybe any other kind of unique or really special things that that your tenants have, have started to put into their spaces yeah the bee oh the beehives so so cool um yeah we we are actually hearing more and more even like our bigger larger occupier clients this is something that the the beehive the um the honey is so interesting to me i think it's such a fabulous way to create culture this like interesting way of incorporating nature into an office environment even though the the beehives are on the roof deck <laughs> they're not they're not yeah. within the office itself but, not inside the space yeah. yeah they're not inside the space but to have something like that where employees can go and learn about it, you know, um, and the bees have a place to, to come back to within like an urban area. And um, I just think all of it is so interesting. And then to have the honey at the end and have, tell this like beautiful story about how, you know, the beehive was located at your space. I don't know. I just think it's so cool. So yeah, I would say that that is one of the more interesting 
and things that our clients are doing. Um, so cool. I mean, yeah, I, it, it hits me at the way we kind of always think about like connecting people to nature is, is I really do think this is the next evolution of sustainability, right? And I think you've kind of alluded to this as we've talked, but it's like sustainability you know, started with energy and then we kind of moved into wellness. And now, now we're into this space of carbon, you know, biophilic design, mm -hmm. you know, kind of biodiversity that like, this is what people are talking about when they're, when they're talking about kind of air quote, bigger sustainability. Um, so I guess one, well, I'm curious if, if you kind of agree with that and two, if that, if that matches what you, the discussions you're starting to have. Yeah. You know, what's so interesting that you just brought that up. Um, I just got an email today from a colleague in the industry who recommended there's a new movie that just came out on uh, Netflix and it is called, I'm going to tell you one second here. Um, it is called kiss the ground. Yeah. And it looks at the way the importance of planting and, um, and how, you know, the, to activate the full capacity of soil to sequester and store carbon at rates that are unmatched compared to any kind of emission reduction. So I'm going to give a shout out to Cassie Aogi. She is from um, Form LA uh, Landscaping, and she was the one who recommended it to me and gave me that little blurb. But I just love that there's new ways looking at nature, looking at ways to like incorporate you know, just na mother nature has ways of, of transforming our planet and making it better. Um, so we need to take care of her. And I think, you know, watching movie, having being educated and watching movies like that um, is just really, really helpful. So I, I think that is the future of this conversation is how can we all work together as one cohesive, holistic ecosystem because we all, everything we do matters, and um, and we're all in this together. The plants, the gr the ground, the sky, the ocean, um, and and making that all like one. Yeah, yeah, and that. Thanks for the shout out. The kiss the ground is powerful, powerful, amazing documentary. So yes, I highly recommend oh, it to everybody it. You too. It. Yeah, yeah. If you you should watch it. It's a, uh, it's you know, it's one of those of at first like big problems, but then really inspiring. Um, it's well worth a watch. Oh, good. We'll, I'm going to post the link to it in the show notes. Um, but yeah, I, I think that kind of, it almost like that takes us back to where, where you first started, Melissa, with just business roundtable and looking at not just one factor, but looking at this like aggregate of, of factors that relate us to each other and the economy and kind of global health. Um, and I really do think that it, it's been amazing just just this year the increase of that dialogue that we've seen out there. I mean, I'm thinking to some of the discussions that happened around COP26, where ahead mm -hmm. of that you had like 100 plus global world leaders, like literally sign a pledge to halt and reverse forest loss and land deg degradation. Mm -hmm. And you had a letter from Unilever and H&M and other kind of talking like specifically about biodiversity loss and the challenge and how their industries can help overcome that. So I do agree. I think it's we've had this like step back and, and it's really focused like people on taking a more holistic look of our impacts and what can we learn from nature and how does what we do relate to the planet. Um, and and that, that broader view obviously just, I think will have tremendous benefits. Yes. And I, and I think too, you know, I need kudos to the new administration because I know this is something that 
they're pushing um, as well, you know, here within the U.S., but then as also, you know, their support with COP. And, um, and my, you know, what I'm hearing too from the administration side is obviously we have our new bills that are going to go out improving, you know, infrastructure and sustainability is a big part of all of that. Um, and then also, I think that, you know, the SEC is going to start to demand um, to see that companies also start reporting more clearly around this space, um, too. So anyway, I think, yeah, with COP and with the new administration, um, I think that we're on a good path and we're definitely heading in a better direction than we were before. <laughs> so yeah. this whole this whole past year has been transformative for sure um, for our space in general. And it, what's also interesting, I talk about this a lot with my clients, it's like, you know, for the first time since I've been in sustainability, I've been in sustainability since 2007. And historically, my clients have always said to me things like, well, I don't know, how much is it gonna cost me to do a LEED certification? Or we build in California, so we pretty much build to LEED standards anyway. It's it's not, you know, it's not important. Um, in the past year, the conversation has completely diverged from that to, well, what happens if I don't do it? What is the cost mm. if I don't become carbon neutral, if wow. I don't support my employees, if I don't incorporate nature into a space, if I don't track our carbon footprint, you know, there's all of these things. And the conversation has completely changed from even, I don't know, a year and a half. I would say the Larry Fink letter definitely changed a lot. Um, but, you know, two years ago, prior to that, that's not what clients were talking about. And now clients are saying, oh, by the way, not just am I sustainable and I'm going to meet carbon neutral and all these other ambitious goals, my portfolio now, I want all of our spaces to be either lead or well, or fit well certified. That conversation was not happening two and a half years ago. Wow. You know, lead all the What do you think has driven that? I, think I mean, we've touched they, on a couple of things, but I'm just curious. Yeah. I mean, I think it is being, you know, it, it, that they're saying, well, we need to meet these goals and if we're going to meet these goals, we have to have like certain basic requirements just across our whole portfolio. Yeah. Um, and so that's, I think it's it really like the investors started it, but now clients have set these ambitious goals, whether they're on ownership side or on occupier side. Um, they're yeah, all, what a they're profound all shift, right? You're yeah, saying, from like, how much is it going to cost to how much is it going to cost our business to not do this? Right? Not like a complete this. 180. Um, oh, that's amazing. Complete 180. Complete 180. It's 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 like really beautiful to hear, obviously, from a sustainability perspective, but even from just like an advocate for the planet perspective and for employees, um, you know, clients are realizing the benefit of like flexible work for employees and that if they give their employees flexibility, you know, to work from home or whatever, and I'm talking more, this is more of like the mind category for well or whatever, you know, giving employees flexibility and benefits and things like that, they're going to have happier, healthier, more productive, more loyal employees. Like that's what you want for your company. 
Um, and so anyway, all of that ESG, all of the ESG initiatives um, are really just, yeah, I think it's being driven, like I said, by the investors and by the employees. And, and that's really what's driving it. Huh. But, How did you, um, so I saw on your resume that you, you started as kind of an investment banker. <laughs> what I'm curious about, did you have this interest in wellness and sustainability then? Or what kind of brought you from from that one end of kind of investment and finances into specifically sustainability and wellness? Yeah. So I was on the investment management side on the private um, high net worth client side of JP Morgan. Um, and I loved it. And I loved the people that I worked with. Um, it was it was amazing. And I learned so much from them. But it was just a conversation with my that I had with my now husband. Um, and he just said to me, well, what is it you want to do with the rest of your life? And I was like, I just really want to make the planet healthy. And, um, and so I left San Francisco. I left my job um, and moved back to Los Angeles, which is where I'm from and just started networking and found a friend of a friend who had a startup sustainability company. And, it just worked out really, really well. It was like a perfect that he was looking for somebody to head up operations. Um, and I was looking to get my lead accreditation because back in 2007, there wasn't much in terms of sustainability careers other than lead. Like yeah. lead was kind of the end of the Yeah, it was lead and you're like a specific consultant for lead projects, right? That yeah. was it. Yeah. That was pretty much it, you know, whether you were looking at it from the design and construction side or they had, you know, lead e-bomb, um, we called it back then. And uh, so for existing buildings. That's existing and, buildings, operation and maintenance, right? Yeah. And that was <laughs> yeah. kind of, that was really kind of all there was. I mean, there were, you know, there was like NRDC and the Sierra Club, obviously, and I think, you know, Disney might have had a sustainability team at that time. Um, there were a few, a few large, maybe Nike probably had theirs. I, I'm pretty sure they did. Um, so there were a few like handful of clients. There were probably like maybe 10 companies, <laughs> you know, on the West Coast or something that had sustainability groups, but it really wasn't a thing. Um, and it's just evolved obviously since then. So, but that's how I got into it. I just, I want, I'm, I'm very obviously intrinsically motivated. So I just, I really wanted to do something I was passionate about and that's where it landed. So it's yeah. been a fun, it's been a fun ride for sure. Yeah. No, it's a beautiful story. Thanks for sharing that. And the, the personal side of it is always interesting and was to hear your passion and knowing that that was kind of where it started and now you you teach and kind of mentor within within well and, and the other programs so um, thank you for all that oh thank you yeah it's fun and i also i want to give a shout out to the u.s green building council which is um i sit on the board for the la chapter here and it's it's so cool to see we have a group called the green building Corps. And uh, it's a rotation. So I think it's a one year rotation. Um, and we have the most amazing people who sign up for this program and they get jobs through it. You know, it's not not I don't think I don't know if everybody does. And I think some people are actually working, but it gives folks an opportunity who are looking to get into this space and are really passionate about it to 
get involved and um, to make connections and network. I mean, so much about, as I'm sure you know, our whole space is like getting, you know, talking to people, getting to know what technologies are out there, what organizations are doing. And um, I wish I had had something like that when I first started out. Um, and then we have like the emerging professionals group and everything. So there are so many resources and organizations now that are popping up to do and doing things like that. But um, anyway, so it's yeah. just, it's really it's growing. Fun to see. <laughs> this will just be how we design all our projects in the near future, which certainly is my, my hope and, and true belief that I the do. things we're talking about now that are, you know, that are add-ons are kind of just at the, the top of the market potentially that this will just, you know, it makes so much sense and it's beneficial for everybody and the planet. And this will just be how we design everything going forward. So. I agree a hundred percent. And I think, um, yeah, I, I think the, the younger generation, like the, you know, the kids that are in, I should say the young adults, the adults <laughs> who are in college now and taking these classes and getting their masters and, you know, looking at design and how to operate buildings and all of that. Yeah, you're right. Like, this is just how we're going to do it. And it's so funny. I had a conversation with one of our very, very progressive clients, I would say, you know, on the forefront of this whole movement in terms of ESG and, and carbon and everything. And I, and they go, well, what do you think is that, you know, what is a new out of the box? Like what, what's something that we're not already doing, right? Cause they're a tech company. They have every technology and, and, and ability to get any technology that they want at any time. Cause they have so much money. And and I go, well, what about building like a passive design? Like, what about building a building that doesn't require an, a huge, massive HVAC system or something like that? You know, what if we went back to the fundamentals of buildings that, you know, took daylight into consideration and all these other things? And they were like, yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just going back to like Mother Nature's design and like how we can take all of this into consideration um, when building out buildings. And so anyway, we'll see. I don't know if they're going to take that, <laughs> take my <laughs> advice, but we're trying to think outside of the box. You so started it's the to, conversation, which is, yeah, which is where start it always to think is. About things like that. <laughs> so last kind of question. And we, we ask all of our guests um, and I'm interested with you being in LA as some of our presenters have been before. Um, just how do you nurture biophilia in your daily routine? Ooh, I love that. Well, one, we bought a house about a year and a half ago that um, has this amazing oak tree in the backyard. And I think that was like, our hearts melted. Our hearts melted for the house as soon as we saw the oak tree. And it is, our yard is surrounded by um, bushes and landscaping and we have trees out front and we just love it. And we have a space in the backyard for a garden. And so my goal is this year, or I guess 2022, um, we're going to start to plant, plant a lovely garden back there that the kids can enjoy and we can compost, have a space, you know, for compost and, uh, and do the whole thing. So I would say that that's, that that's how I incorporate it. And we also, we go on walks and hikes a lot. For me, it's really important to teach my kids about nature and plants and we're always trying to name them and what is this one called and why you know how is it important to us and the shade it offers and you know we just have those conversations all the time so 
for me, it's important to do that. And then also I'm a Girl Scout troop leader for my oldest daughter, um, for her troop. And so we do nature things, activities with them as well. Um, you know, whether it's like a beach cleanup or planning for this year, um, walking around the Huntington Gardens last year, we do hikes, um, just giving back to the planet um, has been really important for us and for the troop too. So just different little ways within my everyday life that I try to touch on. That's fantastic. Well, well, thank you for teaching the next generation and our your clients and, and uh, thank you for being on the show today. Well, thank you, Matt, so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Wild Spaces podcast. This is your host, Matt Dungan, saying I hope you're feeling a little more wild and inspired. Continue your journey to connect people with nature through design at wildspacesinstitute.org. And subscribe to the Wild Spaces podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.